Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. Today's episode is a conversation I had on the Occult Rejects last week with NY Patriot and Lux. I've talked with NY Patriot a lot in the past, really, really appreciate all the work he's doing, and it was great to finally meet Lux on the podcast. So we talked about a lot of things in Star Wars. We specifically talked about all the religious, spiritual, occult-type influences in the Star Wars franchise, which is really interesting. They have a lot of experience in this topic, so go check out their work if you're interested in more of the esoteric-type stuff. This was a really great conversation. Um, we strayed away from a lot of the political discussion I've had on Star Wars in the past, You know, specifically related to my book and the totalitarianism aspects present in Palpatine and his reign. So we talked a lot more about the philosophy and the mythology behind the scenes, which was really interesting, and it kind of helps you understand where the filmmakers were coming from when they created these these movies. And it even gave me a lot of interesting things to think about about the sequel trilogy, which as you've, you've as you've blah, blah, which if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know I don't really have a great fondness for that trilogy. But they brought up a lot of really interesting parallels to that in Kabbalah and other esoteric elements. So really interesting to me. So check it out. I hope you like it. I'll be back with an interview on Friday. May the force be with you and God bless. Welcome to the Occult Rejects. We are two former secret society members who are determined to show the public the truth that occultism has been purposely integrated into every aspect of society, from politics to music, Hollywood and science. This is used to manipulate the public as a whole and to protect the fake elite. The symbols are used all around us to affect world events, the public perception, our behavior, and even our future. We will translate the occult so that you have eyes to see. We reject their agenda to give you the tools to save yourself. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Occult Rejects with your hosts Lux and the MY Patriot. And tonight we are fortunate enough to have, uh, this guy's got a badass podcast. If you have not listened to it before, go check it out. He's got awesome content. Uh, this is Conspiracy Kyle. We got on with us tonight on the podcast to go over a bunch of different subjects, and we're really happy and uh, privileged to have him on. So uh, welcome to the podcast, bud. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. So... Uh, you want to let everybody know a little bit about who you are and where they can find your stuff. Sure. So, um, like you said, my name is Conspiracy Kyle, and it's Conspiracy with a K. Obviously, that's not my real name, okay? Um, but <laughs> you can find my podcast called Conspiracy in the Force. That's Conspiracy with a C to confuse everybody. Um, anywhere you listen to podcasts on YouTube, Rockfin. Um, YouTube is pretty much the, the best place you can find me right now. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing a Star Wars podcast slash conspiracy since about mid 2020 um you know when when me and every other millennial in in the world decided to uh, do a podcast right during the whole whole, whole COVID stuff um so so what my podcast is it's kind of like a a, a niche within a niche i think that's how you pronounce it is uh you know i I'm, a, I'm obviously a huge star wars fan as anybody who watching watching can see uh all the stuff behind me here um but i really also have really been diving into you know what, what's what's truly going on in the world over these past few years as well. And I kind of found a way with the podcast to kind of 
you know, bring those two things together and show that how, and, and especially even now, I think with, you know, wars and stuff going on, it, it's, it's really evident that a lot of stuff you see in science fiction, you see in Star Wars, you see in a lot of other franchises about, you know, totalitarian governments, authoritarianism, um, even transhumanism, all that kind of stuff is really starting to be slowly rolled out in our world. And these things have kind of given us clues and hints about, about what's really going on more than, more than the news does, you know? So that, that's really what I do. I talk about a lot of current events and some parallels in star Wars, um, biblical parallels as well, where, where need be. So, uh, been doing it for a few years and I really love doing it. That's awesome. There's so many different parallels, even just before, um, seeing your content and the stuff that you've covered, just looking at Star Wars over the over the years, I've definitely noticed that there are so many different hidden principles and occult laws that they're they're outlying in these different movies. And uh, dude, they're definitely really masterpieces. I think they're occult masterpieces if you know how to watch yeah. them. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what's awesome about Star Wars. I mean, there's so many layers to it. You know, on the surface level. You know, for the surface level fan, you could treat it like a Marvel movie, right? You know, there's a good guy and a bad guy. The good guy beats the bad guy. It's over. But then, you know, like we all probably saw Star Wars as kids, right? But then, you know, when you get older, you watch it again. And you're like, you know, at, at least I'll start with the original trilogy. We can talk about the prequels in a little while because that's really parallel to what's a lot of stuff happening now. But um, the original movies, you know, there's a lot of really deep, really deep, deep, deep wisdom in there. You know, especially from like Yoda. Yes. Like all the lessons he taught to Luke mm-hmm. about... Um, about facing your fears. I mean, that's a huge one about not rushing off um, to fight a battle before you're prepared. That's really huge. The, the whole, you know, size doesn't matter thing. You know, you can accomplish anything um, mentality and mindset. It was kind of hugely impactful. The more you really understand and realize um, who Yoda is and what that character is meant to represent, you know, he's more akin to like your um, Japanese you know, samurai warriors, you know, teacher, right. You, you know, the, the, the warrior goes up that huge hill and to, to meet this, you know, Zen master who's been studying this stuff for, you know, hundreds of years and he's bestowing all this wisdom on Luke. And, you know, what's awesome about star Wars is like, you know, we put ourselves in that Luke role, right? Like he just comes from an ordinary world, just like the whole Joseph Campbell thing, right? He starts out in the ordinary world. He goes on a journey. He meets an old mentor, does all this stuff. But like when he's training with Yoda, Yoda's hitting him with all this really deep stuff. And like, you can kind of see yourself in it. Cause you're like, when you hear this, you're like, no, I, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. I can't lift this huge thing out of a swamp. I'm, 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 I'm this big. That thing is this big. And like, he's like, no, Luke, you're a dumbass. You're not understanding that there's larger things than you at work in this world. And you, if you really need to um, put, put your mind to it and really connect with, with, with what's happening and you can accomplish great things. So, you know, there's that level of it. And yeah, like, like you said, there is a lot of occult type themes running through, which, you know, from my vantage point, I really didn't even pick up on until a, a few years ago. You know, um, the, uh, the biggest thing to me, it, it is about the universe of star Wars essentially being godless, right? I mean, there's no God, there's no higher power, other than this impersonal force, you know, which I guess you could, you can kind of interpret that however you want. You could call the force God, but at the same time, um, all the characters, whether you're good or whether you're bad, you use this force um, for any way you see fit. Uh. You know, um, it's kind of like a very like Aleister Crowley, right? Like, like do as thou will, like do whatever you want with this tool that's here. 
So, you know, the force, I, I kind of, kind of going all over the place here but you know i, I kind of um well that's you know that's a good thing that we've been trying to say about magic a lot lately or even with occultism it's not so much uh well one the problem with occultism is that it's a cult it's hidden but if you understood yeah. magic and you know knew how to practice magic magic isn't really the problem it's the who, you know who's doing it and what they decide to do with it right right you know what i'm saying yeah, and, and, and like the force, you know, to me, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's how you're using it. You know, think about like a gun. You know, a gun can be used to defend your, yourself and your household or can be used to rob somebody. You know, it, it's just feed a, your family. A, it, it, it's, it's a tool, really. It, it's neutral. It's a neutral um, object or concept that you can kind of use to whatever, um, whatever you want. So, I mean, ultimately, you know, Star Wars, it, it, it is that morality tale, right? Good versus evil, you know, in the end is really what it is. I'm um, showing there's redemption, but, but, but really, if you think about it down to those levels, um, there is no, there is no God, there is no higher power. You ba in, in that, in that environment, you basically are your own God because you are relying on everything you have within yourself, you know, to, to do that. And, and you know, um, off, but also oftentimes throughout the series, you see them kind of focus all the energy from around them into themselves, almost kind of like a, um, prayer type or, or meditation type thing. And, you know, you see at the very end of the sequel trilogy, which, you know, obviously we all know the, a lot of the Disney movies weren't really that great, but you know, the character Ray at the very end is she's about to die at the hands of the emperor who came back for some reason. We still haven't figured out why really, but you know, she basically calls on all the prior Jedi. So she called almost like she's, she's, she's praying. She's calling on all these other people who have passed on before her to, to assist her in this, in this battle. So, you know, there, there is kind of that, um, you know, godless Gnostic type environment, but there also is a really deep spirituality, at least to the, um, to the light side. You know, the mm. light side, you know, it is about you, what you can accomplish from within, but they also are um, using everything, every, everything around them too, and trying to, to, to better society, things like that. Whereas like the Sith, it's completely inward, focused, revenge, violence, murder, hatred. Like they feed off of that. You actually, um, so. that's a really, really good point at what you're saying. And that's, you know, I thinking about it now, I'm like, holy fuck. If you really think about it, whenever they were like, especially with Yoda, Whenever they were talking about the force and being able to use it for good, there was a lot more in depth and like jewel dropping in that. But when you see it being used on the other side, you're right. They, they, they don't show you the practices or the inward work or right. everything that's done with the mind in order to get where you want to get. It just shows, like you said, everything inwards, destruction, violence and control. Right. But, but even, you know, on the, on the light side, the crazy thing that I've realized about what this light side is, right. The, the, the good side is they use a lot of evil things to get their way as well. Like think about like things like the Jedi mind trick, like Obi-Wan Kenobi uses that all the time to fool people, to trick their mind, basically MK ultra people into thinking something happened that didn't happen. I mean, you would think that's a dark side ability, but you really only ever see that used by the light side. And like even like Qui-Gon Jinn in the prequels, he cheats at like a dice game to help free Anakin from slavery. You know what I mean? So it's like it, it's very interesting how um, how Lucas shows the morality in this series, which I think is is really well done, is that um, 
you know, sometimes you have to do some things that are kind of gray, kind of, kind of, you know, hovering over, you know, what's right or what's wrong for a, a greater good. And yes. you can see the light side yes. use that. But also if you think about things in our world, the, the, the people that are truly evil and satanic and use the occult for evil, they have that same mindset, right? You know, they're, they're doing things for the greater good, right? But, but in that mindset, it's very destructive to the common person, you know? So it's the, the morality tale in Star Wars, you know, in the original trilogy is very straightforward. You know, it's good and evil. Then um, in the prequels, he definitely made it a lot more gray and, and, and showed that even like the Jedi Council, you know, was prone to um, being manipulated by the dark side just like anybody else. You know, that, yeah. and that's uh, a good point that you mentioned, like with sometimes, I guess, kind of, because I, I, I recently made an analogy kind of like that about, I guess, using magic, you know, or like doing things that may not seem right, but yet it's for the beneficial of the good. And I had made like a reference to, you know, like Archangel Michael. Um, and that's just so much even in the Bible, but if you were to use him like Kabbalistically or, or you know, probably even planetary magic or other ways of magic, um, like he's a good example of that. Like he would be looked at as if like, you know, if something was fucked up going, in, going on here, he would be the one that God sends to kind of cut off the cancer, unfortunately, so the better right. of the good can go on. You right, yeah. Even so in sometimes the Bible, that needs to happen. Yeah, you look in the Bible, you know, God and Jesus, even the disciples, they've had they had to they've had they had to do some things that were breaking the law. Right. You know, and he said, you know, I didn't come. I forget the verse, but he's like, you know, I've I've come with a sword. Right. In, in certain situations to 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 root out some of the wickedness, some of the evil. And like yeah. like in Star Wars, right, they, they blow up the Death Star two times. And think about how many you know people were working on there that were just average everyday people. This is like, well, I just work for the government, da, 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 you know. That were that were killed, you yeah, know, I, for for the good of the universe. And I guess one could kind of it's it's funny, like if you get into the Star Wars lore, I guess you could kind of make the argument that, you know, so Obi Wan when he's using the the Jedi mind trick and stuff, uh, all the stormtroopers they're clones, right? So um, that could be maybe a reference to the fact that this isn't necessarily like an attack or uh, manipulation on a conscious being, but more or less like a clone that's kind of going through the motions and shit like that. I see what you mean. Well, I, I think at that point, the clones, um, the thing about the clones that they had them, they aged like twice as fast. So like, you know, 20, so let, let's say like, you know, okay, Luke was 20 years old when that movie started. Um, 10 years, so 20 years before that was when the clones were in their prime. Um, let's say 20, uh, 20s, 30s. So, but every year that went by, it would double, right? So if they were 20, 20 years ago, in 20 years, they would be 60. I, 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 then maybe that math, but, but I think they did start to phase them out. But I, th but I think that's a good point is that he basically, he made that delineation that this isn't really a, a biological, a, a biological human for all intents and purposes. And it's really not, um, not a not a not right. Not an unethical, unethical thing to do. You know, I mean, you know or, or or like he had the foresight. Like, listen, like I was for it was foretold that I had to get this person from here to there, and whatever happens along the way, that's going to happen. Hmm. You know, regardless of what I have to do. You know, yeah. and he, I mean, he cuts off the one guy's arm in the bar too. Oh, you know? yeah. 
Yeah. Oh. Well, I was going to make a statement, and well, except for cutting off his arm, I can't defend that one. But I was going to say, if you really want to get down to it, you know, with some of the basics of like kind of like the rules of magic, um, you know, all honestly, if you are doing, you know, if you're trying to you know live a magical life, you really shouldn't be impeding on anybody's will. Um, which that means like pretty much like you're stopping them from being who they are. Um, you know, you could start maybe nitpicking like, you know, him forgetting what they did. Is that really that little part that he just did? Is that really invading on his will? You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, I'll even put it this way. There's, there's been times where I, even with us, with things that we've covered, there's been times that maybe we've could have gone a little bit deeper and a little bit more specific. But then at that point, you have to worry about listeners maybe fucking doing something or saying something. And now that's impeding on these people's mm -hmm. will. We are going to affect their livelihood. So, like, like, even us on our own shows, like, we understand that idea, especially if we're covering occultists. We try to at least not impend on their will too much because then that's a reason for them to say something or to do something back. Yeah. You know, but I mean, believe it or not, as silly as that sounds, you, you know, if you want to play that whole thing about what magic is and not enforcing your own, you know, a good magician should not be enforcing his will onto anybody else at all. Mm -hmm. You know, so right. we have yeah. to when it comes try to, to play to, like, like that. The most important cultism too. The thing that people kind of get mixed up with occultism is that um, it's immediately associated with some type of like ritualistic magic. That stuff is where people can really get into trouble, right? Um, these different rituals that are constructed by these different secret societies and stuff. But the bigger most important thing that people can learn from all of occultism is occult laws and principles, which is what all magic is based off of. And those occult laws and principles are way, way more important, simplistic, and easy to understand. Um, and in no way could you use those principles to hurt someone else, which kind of brings me to my next question that I was wanted to ask you about, Kyle is the most, one of the most impactful quotes from star Wars, just, any of any movie, the whole series, um, the most impactful one to me is that you can't win, Darth. <laughs> if you strike me down, I shall become more. I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And I was wondering what your take or thought was was on that. Yeah, you know that that's an interesting one because um, to a certain extent he's right, and to a certain extent he was kind of just like flexing a little bit. So, like, I think uh, he was right in the fact that, listen, um, you kill me and I'm still going to train your son to find a way to kill you, bring you back, what have you. Like, he, at, at that point, you know, and I think we're going to find out, you know, in this Obi-Wan series that's going to be debuting here in a few months, that, you know, we, we know he's obviously learned the keys to immortality, and he learned that from, you know, his master, Qui-Gon Jinn, who is only ever able to, and you only see this in some of the cartoons, and I'm sure they'll, they'll probably show this in the series too. Um, he was able to, to transform into the force after death, but only as like a disembodied voice. You know, just like remember the first mm -hmm. times you hear Obi-Wan at the end of that movie, he's, he's telling Luke, you know, while he's doing the Death Star run, he's like, you know, use the force, use the force. But the next time you see him in The Empire Strikes Back, now he's like he's like standing in front of you, right? He's like a 
ethereal like vision, right? And then by the end, by the time you get to Return of the Jedi, he's like sitting next, sitting on a log next to him, almost like he is kind of a, a full person, but in this nether nether realm. So to a certain extent, he was right in that um, by by being able to transform into the Force and still be able to talk to Luke, that showed Luke that the Force was real. Like, I don't know that he really mm. understood. I don't think that he really understood it like he should, but I think when he saw that, he's like, holy crap, like, this is uh, an actual thing. Like, you know, think no different than, like, you know, in the Bible, when people started seeing signs and miracles and stuff, and people are like, well, there's something to this because there's an actual tangible aspect I can see that this, you know, this thing happened. Um, so, but, but, but also when I think about it, um, you know, Obi-Wan transforming into the force, you get this idea about, you know, the afterlife or eternity or illuminated beings, whatever you want to call it, that those people have now transcended the mortal plane and they have kind of a higher understanding of, 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 of things as a whole, right? They're looking at everything as a whole, right? An aggregate, not just. The, the little petty things that we talk about, they're like, they're way up here. But, but at the end of the day, you know, I think Obi-Wan was kind of a failure because while he was able to achieve that enlightenment, at the end of the day, he still told Luke, he's like, listen, you need to go kill your father. There's no good in him. There's nothing left. He's just a machine. You need to go kill him. But, but really Luke, um, Oh, yo, I, I got Luke, some really good stuff. I want to just say about this when you're done. So Luke yeah, is- yeah. Oh, just real quick. So like, you know, but, but Luke heard that wisdom and he's like, no, there is good in him. Like, I, I love him. He's my father. Any, anybody can come back to the light. And I think that's true in our world too. Anybody can, can come back from darkness to light. And, you know, so, so Luke abandoned that advice from this totally illuminated being that was supposed to be above the earthly plane. And but and Luke was right. And Obi-Wan was wrong in the end. Even Yoda was like, you know, you need to go kill him. He, there's no point in him being alive. Get rid of him. But Luke was able to save him and able to save his soul in, in the end by avoiding that. So uh, so be, so, yeah, to answer, Lux, to answer your question, um, I think I think, you know, he was he was true about, you know, he was able to um, become more powerful because he's an old man at that point, he was he, his his actual physical fighting ability is pointless at this time. You know, he's better as a as a mentor, right, as a coach from the sidelines, and that's how he was able to talk with Luke, get him in contact with Yoda, set him on those adventures there. So I, I think I think you know, and even Obi Wan says it. You know, in a certain point of view, yeah, that he was right. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, I wanted to add something about even with Obi Wan and uh, Yoda. You know, I've often wondered, kind of, if you look at uh, them as maybe characters on the tree, um, I have, like, so looking at it this way, I have wondered, are they even really supposed to be, like, physically embodied people, even? Um, on the Tree of Life, you know, when you're starting off at the bottom, you know, you, you want to get to Tiferet, because that's when you start having conversations with, like, your holy guardian angel your higher self, the person or the the higher version of you that you're supposed to be getting inspiration and listening to and learning from. And then eventually, you know, when you can get past that, then you will cross the abyss, you know, when you start going up even more. Um, so, like, I have often wondered, was Obi-Wan really just Luke's holy guardian angel? Yeah. And then... A, and then yeah. And then when he was done with him and went to go move on, 
he went to a little green guy. A, a green is used to symbolize the abyss. And the little man, no, for all, could be the little homunculus or the little man that's known to be, you know, the little control arm by your pineal gland, you know, mm. in, in occult terms. So I'm like, you yeah. know, were any of these people like so much like a real person or is it just an archetype playing a role in a situation to tell a story? Yeah, it, I would say it's definitely an archetype, even at the most basic level. You know, if if if, if either of you guys have looked at, um, and I'm reading through it right now, you know, Joseph Campbell's book, um, The Hero of a Thousand Faces, it was written, I think, you know, maybe 60, 70 years ago. But what he does in this story, in this book, is he basically looks at all the mythology of the past. Um, he even thinks, well, I don't consider the Bible mythology, but he considers, you know, the Bible, Hinduism. Islam, Greek mythology, Roman, Egyptian, mythology, all, all this stuff, right? Everything that's been written in the past that has stories about hero characters that go through um, a, a story. So, you know, he created this template called the hero's journey and it's got 13 steps to it, which basically, you know, most stories um, hit these beats. And um, I, I know a few of, I'll hit a few of them off, off the bat that I know about the top of my head, but George Lucas definitely studied this guy in, in the philosophy behind um, storytelling. And, you know, a, a few of the, f the first step, there's kind of three phases, right? There's a, a, a character that's being called to an adventure. Then there's the actual adventure. And then there's the character kind of returning home. But in that first phase, this call to adventure, um, a, a character is living a normal life, you know, common, right? You know, Luke's, you know, Luke's just living out in the desert, you know, common farmer life. You know, think about, you know, Frodo, Lord of the Rings. He's just living in this little village, right? Even Harry awesome. Potter. I was thinking yeah. that actually while yeah. you were saying that, no lie. Even, yeah, even <laughs> Harry Potter, same thing. He's just living like with his aunt and uncle, you know, kind of just like a little normal life. Then there's a call to adventure. Something happens. Um, you know, Harry Potter gets his letter in the mail. You know, Frodo gets visited by Gandalf. Um, Luke gets visited by these droids. And they're all called or compelled to go on this adventure. And what you always see happen, too, is, and, and I'll get to kind of the thing about the, the, the wizard, which is kind of the next part. Nice. Um, what you always see, which is really interesting, is that there's always a call to adventure for these people. Like, listen, we ne you need to go on this journey. Like, you're destined to go on this journey. They always instantly refuse it because it's so different than what their normal life is. Um, specifically, Luke Skywalker, think about this. You know, he's talking with Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan's like, listen, you have to come with me to Alderaan to help deliver this droid back to the uh, rebellion. Cause it's got the death star plans. Like we need to go on this journey. He's like, no, I'm living here with my aunt and uncle. I got to help him on the farm. You know, we got to do stuff like he's like a little whiny brat. Like that's his first instinct is like, no, I can't do this. The only reason he was able to do it is because his aunt and uncle got burned to death. Right. And then he's like, Oh, I guess there's nothing here for me. I got to go on this journey. But that's huge though too. That's huge though too. Like, um, like, like in an occult symbolism, like that really could like be showing like you're burning down and destroying attachments to go further. Yes. Yes. That's yes. fucking serious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even, you know, Kylo Ren says on the sequel trilogy, he's like, you know, kill, kill the, like, like destroy the past, burn it, kill it if you need to. Um, but, but, you mm -hmm. know, but in, in this hero's journey, there is always at the beginning of the story, there's a wise old mentor that they that they find that they that they come in contact with and for and for Luke there's two of them right there's there's Obi-Wan and Yoda and um that, that that is always a person that provides them with a talisman or an object 
or something that they use in their journey. And, and for Obi Wan's case, it's it's a lightsaber. He gives him the magical tool to be able to go on this journey, right? Because if Luke didn't have that lightsaber, he wouldn't be able to do anything. So, um, it, yeah. So it's it's interesting how that that metaphor is there. And you know, I'm looking at the Tree of Life now, and you know, right past the the abyss there, you have the understanding and the wisdom, right? Right above that. So, so think about, you know, both Obi-Wan and Yoda, like you said, kind of an archetype for, um, uh, a, a, a person that, you know, Luke looked up to that, that mentored them, but those two understanding and wisdom. So when they received this higher level, they received basically this understanding and wisdom that they didn't have mm-hmm. before, which I, I would argue they, they made, I don't think they necessarily necessarily did. Um, I, I think, you know, Yoda in the se- in the sequel trilogy, when he comes back as a force ghost he has really understood a lot more, I think, than Obi-Wan did about like teachings and trainings and rituals and stuff. You know, he, 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 he told Luke, he's like, you know, all these old Jedi books you have, they're just books. I remember that. I thought that was amazing yeah. that he said that. that. I thought that really, was an amazing part of really the movie. Really good stuff in, in, a, in a fucking shitty movie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you. I would definitely explain that too. Go on yes, to that. I think that's please, an awesome part. Please, yeah, please explain that. Um, yeah, just the final thought on that is in... You know, Yoda had realized that all the all the all the books, the readings, the rituals, all that stuff, it um, it, it was important, but it distracted the Jedi from their main purpose, which was to be the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. They yeah. were too caught up in laws, and you know, just like I think of like I always thought of the Jedi Council like the Catholic Church, right? They they've lost the way of following God for all these archaic rituals and rules. And if you didn't do this, 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 then, well, you're no longer part of us because you didn't follow it. Well, a lot of that's man-made stuff. That's not from God. They, they basically made it, made it their own into a secular religion that didn't, didn't bear a lot with, with, with what the Bible says. But what were you going to say about the, about the Yoda piece? Oh, I just thought that was amazing because like how I remember, I don't, you know, know exactly the conversation, but I, from what I got out of it, it well, didn't he even pretty much say like, "Does anybody did anybody like reading these books?" Like even saying <laughs> that they're like they're yeah. boring, but yeah. doesn't he like kind of get to the point that like you don't need them and it's like it's you've already got it in you? But yeah, basically, it's like you already got it within you because Luke was trying to um, train Ray on that island out there, which I'm sure there's a lot of symbolism with training on an island, a desolate something like that surrounded by water and there's even like a a, there's even like a cave in the bottom with like a reflecting pool and stuff so i'm sure i'm sure we could all watch that movie together and 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 get all kinds of crazy symbolism out of it for sure that could be chocolate Mm. right there that's interesting but but we definitely do that at some point too that would be awesome we should we should i know a lot of people do that kind of stuff in like a discord or something like that because oh you do it on on youtube with you know you're showing the movie you're getting banned immediately oh uh, absolutely (laughs) that's how i got banned my last youtube (laughs) was doing that with the ninth gate i pushed it i tried it too many times and they banned me (laughs) Yep. But what Luke says, it, but I'm sorry, what Yoda says in that scene to Luke about, about the training is that, um, you know, the next generation, that th- those people that you're training, he's like, he's like, um, we are what they, what's the line? He's like, we are what they um, g- go past. So basically, like we, th- the intention of training is for that person to be better than you in the end, right? To, to be a better person, to be wiser than you are in, in the end. It, it's not about showing how good you are as a teacher. It's giving them all the tools to excel even to a higher level that you are, which I yeah. thought was pretty cool. 
So one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, so like there's obviously a a giant polarization, right? You have the Sith and you have the Jedi. They're totally two different opposing sides, but there seems to be this overarching theme of balance that it's always brought up. So uh, what what are your thoughts? Like is there... Is the message of the story um, good versus bad, or is it more about balance? Yeah, the the balance aspect of it, you know, that's one thing that George Lucas, I think a lot of times he kept it very ambiguous because, honestly, he may not have even known what it really meant. You know, it was an idea that didn't really get talked about to the prequels when, you know, Anakin came around and everybody said that, listen, he's the chosen one. He's going to bring balance to the Force. So if, if you say that that prophecy is true, he's going to bring balance to the force. Um, by the end of the prequel trilogy, everybody thought that, well, that, that, that was false. That, that, that prophecy, you know, I think Yoda even says, like, you know, misread the prophecy may have been if, if we thought he was the chosen one going to restore balance. Because at the end of the prequels, it's all dark side, right? It's 100% dark side running in the universe. All the Jedi are dead. There's two of them, a few of them alive. So, you know, fast forward 20, 25 years when Anakin finally gets redeemed, you know, after his, after the love of his son, you know, restores him from being Darth Vader to Anakin Skywalker and he defeats the emperor. At that point, I think, I think, you know, the the story would, would tell you that now that is balance. The, the, the balance isn't really balanced as far as like a scale, like dark side, light side, like it has to be even. I think when they talk about balance, they mean only light. But, but if you think about it, that's also not, ba- not balance in the, in the truest you know, di- di- uh, dictionary definition. But, but I think um, if, the, if that prophecy is true and it said he was to bring balance to the force, he, he essentially did, um, but he kind of, well, think, well, think about it this way. He, he brought balance because he brought, at the end of the prequels, he, he helped bring about an absolute darkness. And then at the end of the original truth, he brought about an absolute goodness, right? Mm-hmm. So he did both of them, you know? So by saying that, um, from going from one to the other, did that in, in essence create balance? And, and we know that it really didn't because then, you know, a, a dark side presence rose back up again a- after that. So, you know, that's one of those phrases that, is so confusing and um, hard to interpret. But I, one thing I, I love about about filmmakers or really good creators is that they put ambiguous stuff out there so we can talk about it and right. not not have to like you know put a five tweet summary out of this is what the balance of the force means. Da, 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 da. Like I, I love it when they leave stuff open ended. Um, you know, one of my favorite movies, which has a, a lot of crazy occult um, symbolism, is um, that movie Donnie Darko. Have you guys seen oh, that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, talk about crazy, crazy <sighs> symbolism in that. But the end of that movie, there's the, the director has never really explained like what, what what really happened. Was it truly time travel? Was it a dream? Was it this? Was it that? Um, and, and I love that stuff. You know, it drives my wife crazy because she always wants to have like an answer. You know, at the end of the stuff, like tie it up in a neat little bow. But I'm like, no, I like I like talking about it and hypothesizing about it because it makes for a lot of great, interesting theories and conversation. Oh, you got to check out Twin Peaks mm-hmm. if you haven't. Yeah, I never had gotten into that. I'll oh, have to check it yeah, out. If, you, if your wife wants to watch something that's going to leave her like, I don't know what the fuck to think. <laughs> 
it's definitely the show. It's old, but that's definitely the show. It will definitely leave it open for tons of interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, it's fucking loaded, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I think uh, with, from my take on Star Wars 2, like with showing the balance, you know, I see, I see a lot of like, I think showing like uh, the both sides fighting for balance. You know what I'm saying? Like, or maybe the destruction that needs to have the the wars between the change and the chaos between both sides to bring it into the balance. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, like even down to their sabers. I mean, you have the red one, which would be uh, Gabora or. Uh, uh, the was that the 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 power right the power and then you would have uh you would have on the other side chess said which would be the glory mm-hmm. yeah you know and you'd have the blue and you know at some point you kind of do have to come to the middle of those to well, my and opinion you blew, to my, and you blew my mind on this i think last year when we were talking about the sequel trilogy because you mentioned this and this blew my mind you said ray the very end of the sequel trilogy she has a gold lightsaber she buries she buries the other she buries the red and the blue lightsaber into the sand in the desert and she creates her own gold lightsaber so that is essentially creating the top of that triangle right <laughs> yes well so, so maybe so maybe you know uh, lux back to your earlier question about the balance of the force some people have said that yeah ray was the one who who did the balance of the force because she basically combined both of those and, and um reconciled the the reconciliation of opposites right that's one of those big phrases she basically you know she loved kylo ren who was on the evil side but she also loved you know luke skywalker on the good side and she basically took both of those things and combined them into one so at the end of it she holds up that gold yellow lightsaber and you know some people have said that is the true balance of the force because she's taking both of those sides melding them together yeah Mm -hmm. I know. I, I totally agree. I, I think. Uh, and when you know, I want to ask you real quick. When was the part again when uh, when Luke did have a green one? Remember we talked about that. Yeah. So um, after Empire Strikes Back, after he goes to face Darth Vader that first time, he gets his arm chopped off. It has lightsaber in it. That went flying. It was gone. That one ends and up which, in which, hand. What side arm was chopped off? It was his right hand, mm. or was it his left? Oh God. Sorry to put that's you on the in, spot That's important. Now. No, that's important. I got I thought, I thought that uh, I think Vader first gets his right arm chopped off, and then Luke later on gets his left arm chopped off. Let me see. I'm looking at it. it it's Luke's right arm gets chopped off, hmm. and Anakin. Anakin also gets his right arm. Anakin basically gets his whole arm chopped off. Yeah, but it's both the right side. So I mean, but that's perfect for Anakin, though, right? Because now he's on the left hand path, you know, mm-hmm. throughout that whole um, prequel trilogy. That's pretty fucking interesting to me. Uh, did it so now it, when it, when he had the green saber? It was what the <clears throat> what which uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, which so, episode was so beginning that? Of, so after he had that battle with Darth Vader, he lost his lightsaber, lost his hand. He had to get a robotic hand, which you know symbolized like, listen, if I keep if I screw up. You know, I will become like him. That's what Yoda told him. He's like, he's like, you go down, you know, you fight in, in, in anger and haste, you'll become like him. And he's like, he, he always looks at his hand now. But at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, the next movie, um, it's a deleted scene, um, shows him on a cave on Tatooine creating his own lightsaber, and he creates a green lightsaber. Mm. Uh, 
All right. I was just wondering. Because I was wondering if it was during the time when, like, he was kind of like, where was he? I'm so horrible with this. I'm not a big Star Wars <laughs> fan like you. Basically, where, where was he, like, when he was training with Yoda? You know how that's, like, in the fucking jungles, wasn't it? Yeah, on, on, on Dagobah. Yeah, yeah. That's a very interesting um, planet if you want to talk about occult stuff, too. Yeah, well, th- well, the whole thing I was going to compare that to, if you think about it, when he originally came from, where did he come from? A fucking desert. It's fucking desolate. Nothing. Yeah, you know, and then like I, I even you, I even say myself sometimes I put trees behind me or, you know, NY Patriot, NYP backwards would be pine. That's and that's a male projective energy. So this is you know I'm I'm admitting how I came out with my name. You know what I'm saying I'm not hiding anything. You know, so that is male projective energy. So like this guy had now I'm talking about let's say if Yoda's kind of uh, resembling the abyss. At this point, you know, from where he started, there was nothing growing, complete, you know, desolate. To now, he's with this green guy with fucking all this shit growing up everywhere, this projective male energy. That is what's going to break you out of the left side. Right, right, because it's so strong with that energy. Dude, you want to hear a crazy, crazy story about Yoda's planet? Um, this is from a comic book like 20 years ago. Disney doesn't count it, but I think it's, I think it's legit. Um, you know how Luke goes into that cave and he faces like that. He faces that ghostly projection of Darth Vader mm-hmm. and he, he, he cuts off his head and then the faceplate shows that it's Luke's face. And that whole cave is like an illusion of whatever you fear. If you, um, If you attack what you fear with anger and hate, you know, you will become that same thing. So it shows him that whole parallel. But, um, you know, there's actually a story written about that cave itself because it's a very mysterious thing. Because, you know, why would Yoda be living on this planet that has such a very dark side energy to this one specific area? And there was a story like in, in the Star Wars history from, you know, like hundreds of years before how, um, this uh, Jedi was pursuing um, a, a dark side Sith user across the galaxy, and they landed on this planet, and they had a fight in that cave, and the um, the dark side magician was doing all these crazy um, dark side tricks to try to fool this Jedi. Uh, the Jedi was one of Yoda's species, but this dark side user would m- miraculously grow in size and shrink in size and get inside the Jedi's head. Um, and, and fight him, but the Jedi was able to, to to kill this dark side user in that cave. So when he killed that dark side user, that guy's blood basically um, went into all the cracks, everything in that cave, right? So that's why that cave has such a dark side energy around it because a dark side user died there. And that's one of the reasons that Yoda hid out on that planet was because it had that dark side energy to it. So if, if, you know, Palpatine or Vader were using their spidey senses to try to find Yoda, like, no, he's not on that planet. It's teeming with dark side energy. You know, Yoda was able Mm -hmm. to kind of mask his uh, light side abilities by putting himself in contact with something that was dark to, to hide himself. It's really, really interesting story. You mentioned something about having, did you say about like looking into a mirror? Yeah, in um, gosh, my least favorite movie in the sequel trilogy. Well, was when, that when, when he was in the tunnel? 
Um, so when when Ray went to train with Luke out on that island, she went down to the bottom of this island, and there was a um, basically an abyss. She she saw just like this this black water or whatever, and she kind of uh, went into it. So she went into this cavern. That's right. That's right. That's right. It, and then she went up to this mirror, and it, it said, you know, this mirror will tell you you know, who your parents are, because that was a mystery up to this point. Like, we don't know who her parents are. She's just a nobody from the desert, just like Luke Skywalker. So she goes up to this mirror, and it's supposed to tell you who your parents are, but the only thing that showed up on that mirror was her. And it, it's like one of those mirrors where if you look at it, it like, it, it'll keep going back and back and yeah, back. And yeah, back and yeah, 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 yeah. So I remember that. That, like was bugged out, that was a bugged-out fucking part of the movie. It showed like twenty of her, and then she was like snapping her fingers. I'm like, it's gonna be like a song and dance going on here. It's really weird. You know, but, you know uh, how I took that as that whole part right there. You know, and I talked about it today, actually, believe it or not, on my own show when I did a, I did a short this morning about crossing the abyss. Um, there, you know, when you first off, to be totally honest, I mean, I, Lux might agree with this. Uh, when you on the tree, when you technically are, let's say you're ascending and going out into the abyss, you are literally you have you're doing it through the left pillar. You are doing it through the top part of the left hand side, actually. Um, you know, in my experiences too, you know, visually and stuff, it, everything starts off completely black before the light changes everything. So, like, I could almost see, like, him going towards the darkness was more of him going, it could even be shadow work, you know, which is going to help you get farther, you know, going on. And with the reflections and stuff, I take that as, like, let's say you have crossed over. You have gone into the abyss now, like she does going into the water, right? That she has crossed over in the abyss. When you're going from the third sphere to the second sphere, that whole situation is like coming, I think the experience is like coming face to face with God or something to that extent. You know, and, uh, and then they even say, I think in the Yetzirahic text, or a good way to try to meditate on that idea is if like the face of God was rising up behind an ocean and you saw the reflection of that thing on the ocean as well. Like you're seeing a reflection of God. Right. You know, so now the, there's a guy, Janus, that is associated with Saturn. And it's one face looking one way and one face looking the other way. I think part of the reasons why you kind of may come back and maybe if you're having a magical moment, there may be things that will take you out of that because you still have attachments to certain things here. It could be fears, could be hate, whatever it is. There's going to be something. There's a reason why you keep coming back. You know, if you were right. totally detached, you would probably just die, in my opinion. I'll be totally honest with you. Well, I, well, I but, think that's kind of what that vision was trying to tell her, was that, you know, she wanted to see who her parents were. And it just showed a vision of her because it really, in the end of the day who her parents were didn't really matter. Um, what the story ended up telling us was that she was a descendant of Palpatine. So um, had she not known that, she, she wouldn't have gotten any polish. She would have just gone on her life. 
But once she found that out, you know, then she was having dark side visions and things, whereas that vision was trying to tell her that, listen, you know, that, that thing you think is so important to know that that does not change who you are personally, right? Like think about all the people who want to find out like, oh, who was my mom? Who was my dad? Who was my grandpa? This, that's like that, that doesn't, you can find that out. It, it, it may actually hurt you. Um, you, you, you may have been better off not knowing, but it really doesn't change who you are internally. Like the, the lineage, the, the bloodline stuff that, that shouldn't affect who you are or how you live your life. You have free will to choose your life. However you see fit. Um, so that was kind of an interesting lesson that, that tied into the fact that, um, she was a descendant of evil, but, but she can choose to not, that doesn't mean she was, um, tied to that path. Yeah. And you see a lot of that with the metachlorian stuff, right? It seems as though like there's these, uh, even bloodlines of different families that might have more of like a, you know, aptitude for, in our world, it would be magic, but of course, in that um, that world, it would be the force. So, I'm curious to see. Like, do you think that there might be, or is that a parallel that they're trying to draw there between these families that we see here in our reality of like, you know, aptitude for magic uh, compared to like them using this same analogy in Star Wars for uh, the force? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the interesting thing about the midichlorians <laughs> is what kind of gets misconstrued in that is um, the midichlorians allow you to do things. Th- they in and of itself doesn't give you any um, additional ab- abilities. It gives you the ability to train and focus your energy and, and become a Jedi or a Sith or what have you. But in and of itself... It, it doesn't, it does nothing with, with, without any, um, you know, some training or, or what have you. So just like, you know, you can, you can go to college, but that doesn't mean you're good at, you can be a doctor, you know, tomorrow. It, it, it's not like a, um, it's not even like a prerequisite. It's just like, well, you, you, this person may have potential in, in the future. And, and they, they say, well, Anakin had, was off the charts in, in that, in that case, you know, someone who's like the smartest person in the world. Okay. Well, that's, that's different. But for most people, the midichlorians was kind of, um, you know, said that they 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 could become. Um, but 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 the, but yeah, but the thing that that you know turned people off to that is like you said, um, it becomes like a well. If you don't have it, then you don't have a chance. You know, if you weren't born into this family, you don't have a chance. If you're not a Skywalker, if you're not a Palpatine, if you're not a Kenobi, you don't have any chance of affecting real change in this galaxy because. You don't have that it factor, um, right. which which is kind of where I thought they were going with the Ray character um, for the first few movies. But then they then then at the end, they're like, well, she's a Palpatine. Like, oh, so that kind of defeats your whole purpose of, um, you know, trying to be like anybody can be there. You know, Disney's whatever woke agenda, like, you know, anybody can be their own person. You can do whatever you want. You can accomplish great things. You don't have to be this or that. But they still um, but they still drove that in there at the end, which is a little which was a little frustrating um, but I, but yeah, I, th- I think t- I think to your point, um, you know, the Jedi, the Sith, basically secret societies. If you think about it, um, you, you know, very very, mar- you know, marginal as part of a percentage of the total population. Um, that yeah. it's it's no different than than the ones that you know try to wield a lot of power in our world. And you know, same with like the Harry Potter franchise. You know, that one is even more um, exactly. Yeah, that one's even more on the face because. 
in that environment, they don't want anybody outside of that magical world to know anything about what they do. You know, anytime anybody goes off the grid or like the, there's a flying car through London, they have to like do all this stuff to wipe everybody's memory. So they never saw that. So in, in that, that's a perfect, you know, secret society parallel because that is so, you know, keep it close to the vest as far as what their dealings are. Whereas the, the Jedi and Sith um, in the midichlorians, it's a little more out there in the open but, um, but yeah, I, th- I think to your point, the, the thing about the midichlorian, they, they combine that midichlorians with the whole bloodline thing. Um, and they've kind of gone away, I think, from the midichlorian concept because yeah. it's it, because, yeah, it, it did make it seem like a litmus test. Like, oh, if you don't if you're not a 600, then, you know, you can't be trained to be a Jedi. Wasn't it like, uh, it wasn't t- like credit karma. Right, right, right. If you don't have 600, your interest rate's going to suck. Um, yeah, it did seem like they kind of turned away from that a little bit. But they also, I, but I don't they, think the audience really responded well to that whole, like, idea of things. But it's interesting that it's in right. the lore because it definitely does have a parallel to occultism yeah. uh, and, like, bloodlines and stuff. And But, but yeah, so it, it was a weird kind of dichotomy because they say that. But then they also say, you know, the force is within everybody. Everybody yeah. has the potential. So they say that at the same time. Um, you know, you know, Han Solo with right training, are they saying he could have been a Jedi? I don't know. Uh, it's very, it's some of that vague stuff is, is interesting. Yeah. So when you look at like, okay, this is something I've, I'm not like an expert on Star Wars. I've watched the films, you know, not a ton, but a good amount because they're kind of always around, but what are your thoughts on like the Death Star symbology? What does that represent, in your opinion, to like occultism? Um, to to occultism. Oh. Well, I, I will say, you know, the obvious real world parallel to that is like the Nikola Tesla stuff that it he did back. It kind of reminds me a bit of the moon. That's kind of why I brought it up. It seems like this false moon, like yeah. a moon that's helping to you know mess yeah, things well, up a bit. Right, because, you know, think about what Obi-Wan said, you know, when they first saw it, that's what they thought it was. He said that, that they're heading towards that small moon, and then Obi-Wan says, that's no moon, that's a space station. Right. So it had that appearance of a, of a moon. Um, yeah, I think I, I think you're onto something there. Um, I kind of always think about the real-world parallels between the, that whole Tesla death ray thing he had was starting to develop, you know, all those, all those years ago for the, the military and stuff, you know, directed, directed energy beams, um, things to that effect. Um, as far as the, the, the occult aspect of, it, I got to pull up a picture of it. There's something I'm kind of curious about where well, there's that, a giant, there's uh, one eye, right? There's one right, eye. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and depending on where you look on it, it could be, you know, right in the center or it could be on the, on the left, on the left side there. Yeah. Um, and it, um, well, one thing that, that, that kind of doesn't get told a lot in the lore is like, like, how does the Death Star work? So the Death Star is powered by what's called the Kyber crystal, which the Kyber crystal is what's also used to create lightsabers. You basically have this, um, crystal that you input into the, the lightsaber and, if you're able to do it right, then that's how you get your lightsaber beam. So you see how that's used to create lightsabers, but also a huge, huge stockpile of those was used to create the, 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 the Death Star. So, you know, I think, again, to our kind of point where we started on, where, like, the Force um, can be used for good or bad, just like a gun can be used for good or bad, just like a fist can be used for good or bad, this Kyber Crystal 
can be used to power a lightsaber to defeat the emperor, or it can be used to blow up a planet. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it, it just depends how it's been, how it's wielded. But even you know that the 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 quasi Death Star in the sequel trilogy, I think it was called Star Killer Base. That one um, had had kind of some symbology about uh, a, lo- a lot of physics because what what that did it, it didn't it wasn't powered by a crystal. It was powered by energy from all the surrounding planets and moons, and I think even like the sun. So mm-hmm. if you think about like the sun and the moon, I think you know that death, that uh, Star Killer base is a perfect uh, example because what it did is it pulled all of the energy from that nearby sun. So that sun just turned into like a dead star in the sky. It, it took all that energy and then used it to create chaos in the galaxy. So that Star Killer base one, which was kind of modeled after the Death Star, I would say is definitely a, a bigger, a really big parallel to kind of a, a moon because it's it's opposite the sun and it pulls the power from the sun. Interesting. Yeah. Lux, what do you think about? Because uh, I have a, an idea about with that with the moon too. But what do you think about with the moon and the, and the Death Star? Uh, I mean, to me, it's a parallel. It's them showing that, you know, the moon, um, you know, it's going to affect events and and things that are going on in our world. Uh, But then in the movie, right, they're just mirroring that same thing. They're saying that this Death Star um, can also create terrifying effects uh, in their world. And it's just sort of, to me, um, it's just the same symbology. Yeah, I, you know, when it gets, you know, see, uh, we're not, we, ha- we haven't covered it, but this would probably uh, actually make a lot more sense when we do cover the moon. But, you know, in the Kabbalah, uh, and I, I think Lux will agree with this, like you can see the Saturn moon matrix in there. You know, you, you can see that going on. And I am of the belief that that <coughs> may uh, <coughs> be the case. You know, this could be some type of like almost like matrix and the moon is the one that's, you know, kind of the prison. You know what I'm saying? And and the Death Star does move too. like the Death Star is is a space station, you know, because it it, it moves around the galaxy to get to where it needs to be. So just like the moon and, you know, you can look up any time and it's a different place. So, you know, how, how yeah. is that, how is that happening? So, so like in like occult wise, like, I'm like now I'm thinking like, all right, in, in, in occultism, even just thinking about like, if that's possible or whatever, uh, the way I look at it is that you kind of have to like part of crossing the abyss, um, in, in my opinion, uh, is, is not not being controlled or listening to that anymore, which is why I think in in a way, Saturn, um, the virtue of that is silence. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it because it is something we'll cover when we do the moon. But I do think like something about the moon, you have shut off as well, mm-hmm. that is allowing you to ascend uh, the, into the abyss. Um, when that happens, my opinion, when you do cross over into the abyss, my opinion, your pineal gland opens up. And I do think, um, Lux, tell me if, if you think this might be something that you agree with. You know, I think sometimes the light shining down the middle of your brain is actually might be going on. Do you think that's like a kind of a get that right, Lux, as well with occultism? Like when it comes yeah. to like opening up your pineal gland. 
Yeah, and one thing that I find weird, and I could be totally wrong about this. Correct me if I'm wrong about this, uh, Kyle, but they use photon missiles, right, or some type of photon technology to take down the moon. Correct. Well, the Correct. Death Star in this and and uh, and where do they all in this whole time when they're trying to take down this Death Star? What are they doing? They're flying down this fucking tunnel. Yeah, down the whole mm-hmm. fucking thing. Yeah, fucking trying to get there so we can fucking blow this fucking thing up. I'm like, yo, are they actually legit showing you like the pineal gland opening up and that fucking shit going down the middle of your brain? And that's yeah. like the destruction yeah. of the fucking matrix. Yeah. Well, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? On both sides. You have one on the left and the right. When they're when he's traveling down that corridor, you know, two pillars, left and right. Um, and then they're using photon energy to destroy this Death Star, you know, energy. Um, which to me is is just an analogy for talking about how it's the same thing in our world where you have these two pillars and you know, in order to destroy this moon matrix, you have to use photon, which in my opinion, when you just talk about photons, you're talking about uh, light energy, right? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. lights. So that's all it's doing. It's just an analogy for how to escape the matrix or get out of the moon matrix by using that photon energy. Like it's yeah. crazy. It goes yeah. so deep. It's wild. Man. And what's interesting too, the, the original concept of that scene, like I was actually reading like the uh, George Lucas wrote, wrote kind of a book, well, there was never a book before the, the movie came out, and he kind of wrote a companion novel with it. But the idea of that scene was that um, Luke basically went into almost like a trance. You know, he basically, like, passed out for a moment because how, how, the, how the book reads is that he basically came to, and he was already going off into hyperspace. And he's like, what happened? Like, like he... He and he also had that. a conversation with Obi-Wan, too. Then, yes, he? He, re- he had a conversation with Obi-Wan. His, holy, his holy guardian so angel he, first. He basically may have ascended out of, the, out of this plane for those moments to, to shoot that shot. You know, he was in no control of his body anymore. So it's, it's wild to think about. That, that would have been really cool. To, that that would have been really interesting if he put that in the movie. But, you know, you got to see him. You got to see him dunk that shot there. You got to see him dunk that. Yeah. But uh, interesting concept how the... Lucas saw it as, from Luke's perspective, um, he was our, it, it was already over. And everybody's like, congratulate him. Like, we did it. We didn't. He's like, I don't even know what happened. You know, like, the, the force was so strong with him that he accomplished something that he didn't even think possible, which going to the next movie, you know, he can't even lift his X-Wing out of the swamp because he's, he's too cerebral to thinking about it. Whereas in this mind, he, in this part, he, he let everything go. And he was able to accomplish something. Whereas in, in the next movie, you see he's trying too hard to accomplish something rather than letting the natural flow of the force happen. Yo, and you know, you know, you know, it's wild. Uh, not that I'm uh, promoting Crowley, but he would even say when it comes to magic, it is not something uh, do not lust the results because it's not going to happen. And that's right. kind of what he might have been doing then. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, makes sense. So yeah, that was my take on the Moon Matrix with the uh, with that. It was a little no, out there, but that's interesting. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it. Yeah, that. I mean that's that's actually, in my opinion, showing you crossing the abyss in like multiple different layered ways. And yeah. I, you know, mm-hmm. and that's normally how, in my opinion, really good movies. 
that get real good recognition, my opinion, are normally doing that, actually. And, and it's a symmetrical mm-hmm. thing, right? So it's a symmetrical thing dividing these two halves or almost like hemispheres. If you look at the Death Star, right, it's it's a yeah. symmetrical thing around around the middle. Just like Saturn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then you have uh, Darth Vader, of course, right? Before his death, in my opinion, ascension. And then you have Kylo Ren, right? He also loses the mask before his ascension. Uh, there's a lot of uh, analogies in that. It's getting rid of the ego. It's getting rid of the masks that we put on ourselves and yes. the idea of shit that we think about ourselves, but it's not true, even though we try to convince right. everybody else about what that might be. Um, so right. uh, even that, it, the, in the final movie, as terrible as, as it is, <laughs> <laughs> it's showing that, uh, that same thing over and over again that getting rid of the ego, the death of the ego, uh, makes you transcend and the ability to destroy, right, misconceptions about yourself, but also a, something bigger than yourself. Right. Um, a, a big is, a big sacrifice, you know, both Vader and right. um, Kylo. You know, Vader, he's going to take, he, he wants to take a look at Luke with his own eyes and Luke's like, you're going to die if you do that. He's, he's like, well, I'm going to anyways. So it's like, it's like, what are you going to keep me alive? Put me on military tribunals for the rest of my life? No, just like get it over with at this mm-hmm. point, you know. So, but so he takes that mask off just to look on his son, and he knows he's going to die. And, and you know, just like Kylo Ren, he he basically breathes life back into Ray and, and gives all of his life for her, and then he dies. You know, the the only heterosexual kiss they have in a, in the Disney Star Wars movie, then the dude dies immediately. So, what are they trying to say? Mm. Well, to me, that's probably the joining of the male and the female in the the truest sense, mm. you know. And uh, that whole end scene in the last film is the joining of the left and the right side of the brain. Those two hemispheres, the two uh, things that were once divided, and now coming back together. Balance of balance of the force. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're, you're I, right. That moment there might have been the balance of the force. Yeah. I knew that they had a bunch of different like, ideas on how to end it, but the fact that they ended it that way is very cool. Um, in in the sense that, like the way that we're talking about it now, it does make a lot of sense why they would use that ending for um, occult terms, at least. You know, to send a bigger message. Right. Yeah, that's actually you know I I kind of like the ending because of the way it ended. Like for me, watching it at a total you know cult aspect. Um, why is why you know exactly why I mentioned the golden you know lightsaber is because like it kind of left on a uh, you know showing balance and uh, then it made me actually understand why Ray was the way she was. Mm-hmm. You would have an androgynous type of character playing that. Uh, I I even think like you know people get get it twisted. You know, hold on the tree of life on the bottom kind of shows you like that there's different, you know, sexes and that there needs to be a balance. And it's twins too. Yeah. The twins. But unfortunately, Hode shows it, you know, a a common depiction in Kabbalah as a hermaphrodite and people who just think sex automatically gravitate towards that. But I think what it's actually showing you is that you will need a balance of both of those energies to, you know, go forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and Ray was a good example. She wasn't sexualized or anything. And yeah. she, you know, didn't have much of a body to look at. <laughs> <laughs> no, th this is like a lot of really good stuff about the sequel trilogy. I think like the story itself, I think was, was pretty bad, but I think like we're talking about here, there's a lot of really good underneath, underneath that surface level stuff. Um, really interesting elements that make, a, that make a lot of sense. Well, and you can even look at the original series too, right? You have Luke and you have Leia um, who were in love with each other where even that idea was kind of presented to the audience, but in reality they were related, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's another analogy of this male, female twins in a sense, right? They're related. Uh, they might even be twins, right? The, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if they are twins, um, but just male or female, it's just another expression of hood and the, uh, the twin aspect. Yo, if you really think about it, then if you really think about it, if they were representing the twins, what we'd be seeing was probably what we explained in the Scarlet Horse series with fucking the matrix. You're literally watching the male side and the right side kind of like balancing together to cross the abyss. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. And what's crazy too is that the way that it ends up is that you have so like Luke the entire time in the original series, you have Luke and Leia. They're kind of flirting the entire time via the twin archetype. But then you have this extreme male energy with Han Solo. But then Han is it, to me, he's the he's the extreme expression of the male energy and who does she end up with is Han, not, not Luke. So it's just uh, showing how like almost her escape or her, her joining uh, with Han is her progression up the tree. Mm -hmm. And in the twins car, the twins, when they fall on a tarot card lux, isn't that on the path that goes from Hode to Gabora? Yeah. So, I mean, like, you're even showing, like, the twins, which could be what you're being shown in Hode with the hermaphrodite, the male and the female, or, you know, both the opposite ends, going to war now with the chariot card, heading towards Gaborah, which is chaos, change, and war. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, you can yeah. even see that being replicated in the last, the last series. Yeah. yeah. And that's all on the left pillar right there, too, just telling that story. Yeah, but then at least when it ends, it comes back to the Tiferet, which I thought was, I I was like at least it ended kind of on a positive note. Well, and on the right side too that I'm looking at it, you know, based on the interpretation. Oh, I'm sure there's the, plenty of that too. Some of those pillars, you know, one one could be victory, mercy, etc. Like think about Luke, his right hand is chopped off, right? Mm -hmm. So as he's about to kill Darth Vader, he looks at that hand. He's like, "This is a mechanical hand. Like I don't want to become like Darth Vader." So he had, you know, basically mercy on his father at that point. But by having that mercy, he also achieved victory, wisdom and victory as, as well. He had the wisdom to not kill his father. So he had the wisdom, he had the mercy, but he also was also victorious because then Darth Vader killed the emperor because of all that happening. So that's kind of that whole right side there. I mean, listen, exactly. You, you could even take that to like a mental part to where, Maybe they were never telling him you need to physically kill him. Maybe the control that he has over you in here 
You mm-hmm. need to just kill that. Like kill the Darth Vader, right? Kill that duality. Yes. Kill that yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that could even, that really could explain why he didn't have to actually physically kill him at all. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, and he even, Darth Vader even says to Luke, yeah, I am your father. So in that moment, it's even, it's, it's talking about the, the trumping of, in my opinion, Netsock, right? He's going, Luke is going from Netsock, victory, into, now he's he's going above that, into mercy with Chesod, and he's now gaining wisdom with Chakma, and saying, like, yeah, okay, so I could kill you, I'm, I'm not going to kill you, but this is victory, mercy, and wisdom, all in order, um, in order for Luke to progress towards his higher path. Yeah, and you know, I, I will have to say the original series, in my opinion, does show you a little bit more of the right in the middle of like spiritual uh, ascendance. And, the, you know, the, the fighting stuff is really more, in my opinion, showing you the chaos and change and things you need to remove or just the change of mindsets that because that's all war could be or chaos is just a thought that you used to have is no longer something you have anymore. That's change. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's to be done to ascend spiritually. Yeah. You know, so right. shedding the, the mindset of father. Sh- show the right side a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in the original movies, yeah, they don't give you much nuance to that dark side, right? It's just all evil, 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 evil. But then you look at the prequels, you know, Anakin turned evil for a, for a good intention. You know, so it, it it brought a lot of really good nuance to it because he wanted to help save his wife. He wanted to help save people from dying. You know, so so you can see how um, that 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 dark side path isn't just a path that people go on because they're evil, because they're narcissists, because they're psychopaths. Some of that can can go on that journey for for altruistic reasons. And but but by doing but by going down that path, um, he had to commit so many atrocities that at the end of the day, he he couldn't uh, he couldn't really achieve what what he wanted to do. But um, it it definitely gave you a little bit of that gray gray space to show that you know good people can turn bad, even thinking they're doing the right thing. And yeah. I, we're, I guess we're going to uh, wrap it up pretty uh, pretty soon. I, I want to say this, even if you want to look at that part allegorically, you know, let's say he went to the dark side and he started, you know, he went on a killing rampage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this I, this would even go along with the Matrix, kind of when um, when he got to the guy at the top and he had all those different screens of himself. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, and I think Lux will even agree, like, obviously, because just there was more Matrix after that, but he didn't ascend. He 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 didn't get any farther, you know. And uh, in my opinion, a lot of times when it comes to magic and shadow work, what you really have to do is start to eliminate all the different attachments or ideas of self. You have to start eliminating all the different versions of people or person that you've been, that you think you can be, that you know, or that you're trying to play now. You have to kind of strip yourself of all of like identity, a kind in my opinion, to really progress farther. So that would be part of shadow work. 
So maybe he wasn't technically really killing anybody. It's just a, a, a story showing you the, 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 you know, the part of shadow work is that you need to eliminate all these fucking, you know, archetypes and ideas and people in your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it even shows how imbalanced that Vader is because Vader is so uh, sort of like wrapped up into this, you know, conquering you know right so anchored in this reality this world or whatever that that's all he cares about is uh just things when this this realm or this dimension that he's just trying to conquer everything and the one thing that's unique about vader is that vader he needs a mask to breathe Uh, right so he needs to be able to have air pumped in when you look at that from an occult perspective, it's showing that he has the lack of the ability to entertain a higher spiritual um, concept because that's what air would mean, would be spirituality. So he literally has to be fed air <laughs> because right. he's so um, tethered to this certain type of mindset. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it definitely goes deep. That's for sure. Really, really goes deep. Yeah. Damn. All right. Well- I know we, we got to let you go because you're a popular man today. You got some else today. <laughs> good for you, man. Good for you. Yo, and good. You know, I'm, I, I was so happy to see you're going on it. So, Ron's fucking awesome, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to yeah. be talking all, I've about, had him on. all about numbers and stuff. I'm really oh. interested to, to learn about. I'm, I'm a huge numbers nerd. And, you know, he messaged me a while back and <laughs> I, I saw that he's been on a bunch of shows and doing a lot of stuff. So, I'm really interested to, uh, to, to hear his take on, on some stuff here. So, it'll be, um, It'll it'll be live on YouTube. Anybody that's that's watching this live, um, it'll be on my YouTube channel here, about oh, 10, yes. 10, 15 minutes. So it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting stuff. Really looking forward to it. Fuck yeah, man! Good yo, I've had him on twice. He blew me away with the numbers. Uh, I would even have him on again on the occult rejects. Like he he's he's gonna blow your mind. So, awesome. so good for you, yeah. man. Looking forward uh, to it. Let everybody know where they can find your stuff real quick. Yeah, so you can find me on um, Twitter or Instagram at conspiracy underscore Kyle, and that's conspiracy with a K. And you can find all my podcast stuff, things about my book, all that stuff there. Awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah, his some of his show notes, or the I think pretty much everything you said right there is uh, will be linked in the bottom. Um, I want to tell everybody that uh, that was in the the chat. Thank you very much. Um, we will have a, a link. Uh, we have a link tree now, or whatever one of those things. Uh, somebody made it for us. One of our fans that helps run our Discord. Uh, all of our stuff is on there now, and you can find our Discord links and all that stuff. Lux's show, my show, all on uh, one site instead of a big, uh, huge mess inside the show notes. It's super uh, convenient, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really thank Helen for doing that. Yes. Thank you, Helen. Shout out to Helen. So, yeah, so all of that is in there. Um, thank you so much, Kyle, for coming on. I mean, I, I could, we got to do this again. I think. Oh, it, yeah. You know, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even hit on one of the topics I want to talk about about this Boba Fett show, how to have a really direct tree of life kind of connotation. So, we'll talk about that later. Well, then there's nice. another episode. We'll yeah, be doing. love to have you back on, dude. <laughs> awesome. Definitely. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Yes. And you have a good night. And uh, until the next one, everybody be well. Later. See you.